You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove of Hulu.com here, as always, with Chris Feeder. We had a couple weeks of um, delay from the podcast because last week was Memorial Day and the week before Chris was off. So we are back. And uh, obviously, with everything going on, I don't think today's podcast is going to be lighthearted in any Mm -hmm. sense because um, there's a lot to talk about. Um, the Cavaliers have recently released a statement in regards to, um, the death of George Floyd. And, uh, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, how just this whole situation and what it means, um, you know, from their perspective, from our perspective, um, Chris, have you, you know, obviously the Cavaliers put out statements from JB Bickerstaff, from Kobe Altman. Um, what did you make of their statements and have you spoke with anybody within the organization, um, about anything that's happened uh, over the last couple of days and over the last week. So I have spoken to a number of different people um, within the organization. I, I've talked to general manager Kobe Altman, um, one of the few black GMs in the NBA. Uh, yes. I'm hoping to have a longer sit down with head coach J.B. Bickerstaff for a bigger piece. Obviously, he had the joint statement with Kobe. But Mm -hmm. to get deeper into this issue and and how um, he's presenting it to his team and what the team initiative is going to be. Um, So hopefully that can come in the next couple of days or something along those lines. Um, I reached out to the Cavs because I know that um, there are a few players that live in downtown Cleveland, kind of at the heart of where everything was going on. So I just wanted to make sure they were okay. wanted to make sure that they were safe. Yeah. Um, the Cavs instructed a lot of them just to stay inside and to avoid the chaos as much as possible so that they could be protected and they could be safe. Um, I thought the Cavs message, the joint statement from Kobe Altman and JB Bickerstaff, um, I thought it was powerful. I thought it was timely. I thought it hit on basically everything. Um, A number of these statements from these teams and these organizations around all of sports, whether it be NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, some of them have taken a different tone in terms of condemning um, police, police brutality. Uh, The Cavs did not do that specifically, but it got to the heart of um, what the problem was, where the anger lied. And I thought their anger, their frustration, their sadness, all of those different emotions 
were all included in the particular statement. Um, and I think that's exactly what it had to be. Yeah, I'm going to read that statement just for um, just for uh, listeners in case they, you know, to get some context here. Uh, the Cavaliers organizational statement. Uh, the death of George Floyd is heartbreaking, appalling and tragic. Our collective humanity suffers greatly in the midst of senseless acts like this, not just now, but always. Unfortunately, there are many other examples and the impact continues to resonate and reverberate far beyond the place and time each specifically occurs. These situations touch on and reduce all of us. We believe all for one really does mean all. Thus, all of us, both individually and as an organization and community, have a responsibility to speak up and to try to influence and help and to end horrible situations and outcomes like this. Let's all respond with a sense of urgency and deeper determination to make life better and work towards a world where everyone feels safe. And I agree with you. I think it does, you know, touch a, a different chord um, than some of the other statements that were made. Um, have, have you know? You mentioned that obviously Kobe and JB made that uh, joint statement. Um, have you? I mean, do you know if if the team you know discussed what has happened as a team? Um, do you know if they've kind of gotten together via Zoom or whatever and you know held conversations in that regard? I believe they have, and if they haven't yet, I believe that there is a plan to. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know the specific timing on it and whether it has taken place. You can schedule something to happen. And then other things can come up that prevent it from happening the day that you thought it was going to. But look, J.B. Bickerstaff, as a head coach, has a unique ability to connect with players. You know, at the time uh, John Beeline took over as head coach, he wanted to assign different responsibilities to each coach on his staff. And J.B. Bickerstaff raised his hand and said, I want to work with Kevin Porter Jr. because of his story. I want to work with Kevin Porter Jr. because of his background. I want to work with Kevin Porter Jr. because I feel like I can connect to him the way that a man can connect to another man. Um, so he just has a unique ability to connect with every player, every age group, every demographic. And J.B. Bickerstaff has always been about communication and honesty and trust within an organization. And the same thing for general manager Kobe Altman. So that's the kind of person that J.B. is. That's the kind of head coach that he is. And he's not going to shy away from having the difficult, challenging, complicated conversations that need to happen here. Um, and I don't, again, I don't know that they happened today. I don't know that they happened yesterday, but if they haven't yet to this point, Hayden, they're going to, because that's how this culture, um, is being built. It's, it's on communication. It's on openness. Um, it's on a sense of camaraderie and bringing everybody together so that they can be one. Yeah, I mean, these conversations certainly are difficult, and I'm sure that we'll have to get into a little bit of, you know, a difficult conversation ourselves. Um, I mean, you know, we, we can t discuss this from a Cavaliers perspective, but I think it goes far beyond the Cavaliers. I think it goes beyond basketball, obviously. I think it goes, you know, into the entirety of our country and, you know, and the way that, um, you know, things have happened over the last, what, 60-something years. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I mean... <laughs> I guess if you want to get right into it, like, you know, what, I mean, what did you, what, what are you feeling right now? What are, what is your just overall feeling about all of this? I mean, it, you know, is it just, what is it? I don't, I don't want to put my words in your mouth. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
Man, I just think it's so hard to put into words. Just like sure. other organizations around sports are, are having a hard time putting into the words and they're taking their time so that they can say what it is they mean. Like oftentimes we say things and they don't come out the right way. So Correct. these teams want to make sure that this message is going to come out the right way. Everybody is going to be watching for what it is they have to say. Um, so I think it is hard to put into words, but to be honest with you, I'm disgusted, I'm sad, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, all of those different emotions. Um, I'm reading, I'm listening, I'm trying to hear what everyone is saying, Hayden. I'm trying to understand their passion, their anger, their hopelessness, their frustration, because the truth is I've never had to tense up and fear for my life when being pulled over in my car. I've never been discriminated against simply because of the color of my skin. I haven't felt racism in that way. I've never had to live in fear for my own life. I'm 36. I'm white. I went to Catholic school. I grew up on the West Side. I grew up in West Park in the Lakewood area. I just don't have those same experiences, and I never will. And it sickens me that the black community, my friends, colleagues, coworkers, acquaintances, they have and they still do. In 2020, these kinds of acts of violence are becoming normal. And it's sad. And it's disgusting. We all admit change is needed. Speaking up is needed. Tough conversations are needed. George Floyd was murdered by someone who swore to protect and serve the community. I mean, think about that. Someone who is supposed to be held to a higher standard. Someone who looked at skin color that day and reacted in an inhumane way. And this past week, I just felt it was a massive cry for help because of a disgusting systemic problem that has gone on for far too long. And I'm listening, I'm reading, I'm hearing, I'm seeing, and I stand with everybody. I don't know what the right answer is. People are much smarter than me when it comes to this sort of thing. But I see you, I hear you, I stand with you to fight back against the indefes indefensible injustices. Um, I forget who said it, Hayden, but, but this response was decades in the making. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and excuse violence or rationalize it or participate in it. I'm also not going to focus on those violent protests, the riots, the looting, and pretend that's the story here. Police brutality is the story here. Racial injustice is the story here. Um, so I just, I'm sitting here today asking, how can I help? What can I do? Um, how do you need me to use my voice and my platform? And so many people talk about, you know, you're a basketball writer, you cover the NBA. Um, the Twitter account that you have has the number of followers that it does because of uh, what you write, uh, the radio stuff that you did in the past. But like before all of that, I was a human being. I was a person. I was an American. I was a citizen. Um, this isn't about politics. This is about humanity. So as a human, I'm going to speak out on these kinds of things, whether people like it or not. I'm definitely not going to stick to sports. That was really, really well said. I mean, Thanks, I, you know, and I think that the thing that that really resonated with me, I mean, more so than I mean, I, everything resonated with me. But the thing that really stood out to me is, is the how can I help? 
it, you know, how, right. how, how, because we don't know the right answers. We don't know, you know, we don't know, like we're trying to figure this out, but I think the willingness to listen and to try to understand and to try to learn and to, you know, ask, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, we don't, we, I think, I think there's some very, 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 something very, very valuable in asking that question. How can I help? And I actually just, I, I literally just post, uh, posted this little column that I wrote about the events of Sunday and, and you know, the cleanup. Um, and literally the, the line that I wrote, um, when I'm going to pull it up right here, it, 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 it involved that exact question. Um, let's see. Okay. So, um, okay. So, as the uh, images around the city flickered on screens, emotions poured, anger, sadness, despair, there was also seemingly a collective question that came along. Rather than what now, the question became, how can I help? How can I help? It's a seemingly simple question, and yet it conveys so much. It shows desire, compassion, empathy, and humility, all of which were well on display Sunday morning in downtown Cleveland. So I think the ability to ask, how can I help, is just, you know, I think it just displays humility and it displays a, a willingness to try. I think. Again, some people, you know, obviously are not willing to try. And I think it's mm-hmm. what you said was exactly right. You know, yes, we want to stand. Yes, we want to, you know, speak out against racial injustice. Yes. Um, you know, I know in my heart that I don't that I that I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, gay, transsexual, whatever. I'm going to treat you with respect because you're a human being. That's the way mm-hmm. I was raised. That's the way that I feel. Um, that's what's in my heart. So. I think the, the how can I help question is, you know, how, as you said, like, what can I do to ensure, to help ensure that this doesn't, you know, this, this trend of, you know, police brutality and this trend of racial injustice in America doesn't continue. And again, I don't necessarily know the answers, but I think it's important that we answer that we ask that question so that maybe somebody listening to this podcast or maybe somebody that, um, you know, we'll, we'll tweet it out later or something along those lines will say, hey, you know, this is how you can help. And, right. um, you know, I, I don't mean to bring this up, but I mean, when I, when I saw everything happening, that was my first question too. It was, how can I help? And I think the immediate response in my mind, at least for the day after was I can help by, you know, trying to at least help some of these business owners clean up and then we can move on from there. And I know mm-hmm. that I haven't done enough. I know that, um, we haven't done enough as, as America and as a society. And I think another thing you said that really, um, you know, stood out to me was, um, I think you said, as I lose my train of thought here, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought, but I, it'll come back to me. But all point, good, buddy. The point being that, um, you know, that we're all, we're all trying to figure out ways to help. And, um, again, we're, at least I am seeking and I need to, and I know that, um, you are too, that we're seeking to, to do the right thing here because we're both disgusted. We've both been, you know, raised to, um, you know, to, to fight against this. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable to me that the scenes that we're seeing in 2020 Mm -hmm. are as as bad, if not worse than they were when, you know, there was legitimate segregation, Jim Crow laws and things of that kind. Yeah. And it's not a one-time thing either. You know, this is happening repeatedly. Um, in cities across the country. So it's not just one area. It's not just one isolated incident. It continues to happen. Um, And it wasn't an accident. That's the other thing that really, really bothers me. It was not an accident. It was a tragedy. 
Um, it was somebody abusing their power. And, and I yeah. think that's one of the places where we, we need to start, honestly. Um, again, this isn't a political podcast or anything along those lines, but but these we, but again, these this conversation has to be. I mean, you know, of course, if, if and we're going to talk on, about anything today. We're going to talk about this, right? Yeah, and on top of it, I cover the NBA. I cover the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, the NBA is about eighty to eighty-five percent black. The Cavs yeah. roster is just as represented. This is an organization, the Cavs. It's one of two organizations in the entire NBA, Hayden that has a setup of a black head coach and a black general manager. The only other team with that particular setup is the Phoenix Suns. So the Cavs felt a unique responsibility to release a joint statement with Kobe Altman, with J.B. Bickerstaff. And if we're going to cover the NBA and this is the culture and the NBA being about 80 to 85 percent black, you have to talk about these other things because, look, Jalen Brown drove 15 hours from Boston to protest in Atlanta, right? Um, Steven Jackson, former NBA player, um, was a friend of George Floyd. He held a press conference. Tobias Harris, Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Tristan Thompson, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Masai Ujiri, all of these different people involved in the NBA are speaking out on this or doing their best to help raise awareness for this particular thing. So it is part of basketball. It is part of the NBA. It is part of covering the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, But I think one thing that we have to be really cognizant of as Americans is, is who we give this power to, right? Because we have these people continuing to abuse their power. And I think one way that we can help is by being smarter, being more educated when it comes to who we give the power to. Um, And maybe, possibly, if we give it to the right people, they won't be as prone to abusing it in the same kind of way. Yeah, that makes sense. But but again, I guess the question is, you know, in regards to, you know, giving people power, I mean, I think people can put on a front. I think people can put on a put on a show and then you know behind the scenes their true colors are maybe you know not what um you know what they presented when you know being handed that power and um there i also read something that i don't remember where i read it but some you know people said or um some it was the it was a piece about police officers in general and you know a lot of them from what this article said that you know their demeanor can change and their their actions can change due to what they see in the field, due to what they, you know, what they see over the years, and they're you know they can develop these feelings of hatred and these feelings of um, um, racism towards other people as they you know go in the force. I think the article basically said that, um, and I and as you said, I too am trying to read, I'm trying to to listen as much as I can. Um, I think the article said that you know because. A lot of times these these, you know, people in power in in police officers and whatnot, they come in with that best of intentions to serve and protect. And then as the years go on and they experience more and more, um, you know, things in the field that their mindsets change a little bit and they lose sight of what they first came in to do. And I think that's fair. But then how do you how do you protect against that? That's that's a really tough thing. Yeah, you're right. And um, if anybody out there is from Cleveland or knows Cleveland, the people involved in Cleveland, they know the name Raconia. It's Ricky yes. Smith. 
Yes. Um, he has something that he calls rake, random acts of kindness everywhere. Um, I think it was him who said this. I want to make sure that it's the right person here that I'm quoting. Yeah, it is him. It's Ricky Smith that said this. I thought it was very, very um, right on the money. He said, the issue isn't the bad cops, bad apples. There's always going to be bad cops, bad apples, as long as there are bad people in the world. The issue is the good cops or good apples are not working to get the bad cops, the bad apples, out of departments, precincts. Um, call me a cynic, but whenever I see stop racism sign at a rally, I sigh. To believe you can stop racism is an aggressive goal. I'd rather us start with understanding racism and identifying racists. It's easier to identify a racist than to change a racist. Once we identify racists, then we can make sure they don't work in positions and jobs that can get black people killed. Um, so that starts with criminal justice reform. That starts with police department reform. That starts with looking at different policies of what can be done, what can't be done. Maybe you go back um, to some old laws where you can have people suing the police department for police brutality, and maybe they can be um, held up to, to the same kinds of punishments as other people around the country. Again, I don't know what the right answer is, but, but I'm at a point here where, where if somebody brings up, hey, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, I'm not going to turn my back on it. I'm going to say, okay, let's try this, because the way that it's been going for the last however many decades is not working. And, and that's where all of the anger and the frustration came out over the weekend. Again, I don't condone violence. I don't condone rioting or looting. But, but I get why they felt like, um, why the people that were protesting and took it too far, why some of those people did end up taking it too far because of the buildup of this all. Yeah, I, cer I, I certainly agree. And I certainly understand um, where they're coming from and where the anger and the hurt comes from. Um, and, the, you know, glad you mentioned Ricky, because, yeah, I think that. Um, when you talk about people who do things for the, you know, good out of the goodness of their heart, I think Ricky is, you know, and you, again, on Twitter, Riconia, um, I mean, he does so, so much for the city. Um, he, you know, he does, he gets lunches for kids in need. He, he, you know, buys pizza and, and, you know, gives back in incredible, incredible ways. And, um, certainly I think that his mind is one that we definitely need to continue to look to because, you know, he's been around and he understands, obviously, you know, as, as most African-American or all African-American, not most, all African-Americans do, um, you know, what, how it feels to be oppressed and how it feels to, um, you know, be in that position. So certainly I'm with you 100 um, percent in that we need to just try. And again, we don't know the answers. We don't know, you know, what's going to work. But I think that's a great point by Ricky is that. I don't think, again, I agree that you, I don't think we're ever going to completely erase um, racism until, I mean, I, I just think it's too, I think it's too close. I, I know that's sad to say, uh, but I think we're too close to where, you know, to the, to the, I mean, it, it, it's going to take generations upon generations because um, as much as we try to educate and the more we educate and the more we work and the try, harder we try, the more it will go away. But still, there's a systematic, you know, part of America that was founded on racism, um, unfortunately. And I think it's going to take, you know, centuries until we're at a point where 
it's completely, um, hopefully completely rid of itself. So I agree with Ricky that we have to start smaller and define, define or start with, you know, little details and, and work our way up. And I think that's a great point that he made in regards to, you know, okay, just defining racism and then trying at, at its at its smallest state to eliminate it. And uh, again, it's it's definitely going to be a difficult undertaking. But I think I think as you said before, this woke us up. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that we weren't woken up as a country before. Uh, with Tamir Rice, with um, Trayvon Martin, with um, Eric Garner, with you know the multiple people, um, the multiple African Americans that have been you know killed in different ways um but i hope that this woke us up and i hope that now um we can seriously from myself to you know anybody else can seriously start um recognizing this problem um and 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 not only recognizing it but but acting on it i think that's the issue we have to start acting Mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it um and, and, and look, like one of the one of the saddest things that I saw over the last week, Hayden, was um, you had the murder of George Floyd and yeah. how and how it happened with um, a police officer, a bad police officer, a murderer putting his knee on the neck of another man um, basically for nothing nothing at all. It was counterfeit bills or something like that. And it didn't require the kind of force that this particular police officer used. Right. Um, and then a number of days later, there was a photo that was going around social media with the same exact thing happening with a different police officer in a different city. And it's like, how is it possible that we can see what we saw with George Floyd Right. And we can condemn that police officer. And then a couple of nights later in a different city, that same kind of action was being taken. And it took another good cop to pull that bad police of, police officer off another human being. Like, how is that possible? That's unbelievable to me that that there were some that acted the same exact way. And it goes to the heart of the problem. It goes to police brutality. It goes to racism. And those kinds of things cannot continue. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about when we're when we're talking about, you know, the the this issue is so large. It is so broad and it is so big that, you know, to tackle it in one to try to tackle it in one fell swoop, just as, as Rick mentioned, as Ricky mentioned, it just it it's in it, it's so much smarter in my mind the way that he put it because the as you said if there, if it's happening you know to George Floyd in Minnesota and it's happening you know and that probably happened 15 times the same day but maybe a different yeah. result i mean it's right. just and you know y- you can say oh well you know how do you know well i mean we've seen it that's how we've seen it multiple times and in different ways i mean it doesn't have to be a knee on the neck it could be you know choking you know just whatever it could be through bullets it could be through um, you know, rough handling and, and throwing people down or hitting it. I mean, it's just, there's so many different ways it can happen. So um, it's, it's such a huge problem that I think you're, that he's right. And that the only way to really kind of start to combat against it is to chip away at it with, you know, the small details with, with, you know, identifying racism and calling people out for racism and then working to 
be better ourselves, um, you know, in these situations. And hopefully, you know, if we can identify racism and and we can identify a person who is a racist, then, you know, they can either be ostracized and continue to be racist and be ostracized for being racist, or they can take a look in the mirror and say, wow, I need to change. Um, you know, I need to be better than this. And obviously, this goes without saying, Hayden, but get out and vote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all. That's all. Well, yeah. And so many people talk about from a national level, right? We'll vote yeah. for president and we'll vote for this other thing. But but at the local and state departments, too, that's like where change can really, really be um, taking place. If you have the right local leaders and state leaders and things along those lines. Yeah. And I could not agree with you more um, in much the same way. Right. Um, you know, we talk all the time about, oh, yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it can start as small as a local councilman or it can start as small as a mayor or it can start as small as, you know, a, a senator. Um, I, I truly believe that. And I, you know, I, I admittedly, when I was younger, I don't think I took that responsibility as seriously um, mm -hmm. just because, you know, I don't think at 18 years old, you have a grand, you know, a great scope of, of the world and how, you know, how everybody fits into it. Uh, but certainly I have got, gotten a lot better about trying to get out there and voting because I think it is so important. And I think it it only gets more important in situations like these. Um, you know, we can your, no matter your political views, we can argue about the leadership of um, be it the country, be it the state, be it the city. I mean, there's, you know, and there are a lot of criticisms, obviously, of the president of the United States. There are a lot of criticisms about um the you know the mayor of Cleveland, there are even criticisms about you know the governor of Ohio, and I think that's the that's the right that we have as as um, a population to criticize our leaders, but it also is our responsibility to get out and make our voices heard in voting, so that you know it is we are responsible for who is in office, and um, you know the less people that do it, the more you know the more we just we, we fail. Yep. It's it's it really is um, important that we do that. Um, I just saw that the Browns um, made a statement on and I do want to read this just because it is also another team here in Cleveland. The Browns and crew uh, made a joint statement because obviously both teams are owned by the Haslam family. Mm -hmm. um, I want to read this real quick. Uh, sports can be a great unifier in our communities for what teams do on the field, and we must work together to elevate our efforts and our actions to ensure that we can be a positive and productive change off the field. With yet more tragic deaths, we as a nation and as individuals must truly create meaningful dialogue, have difficult conversation, demonstrate real empathy, and take productive and nonviolent action to address injustices. These complex issues that no sports team can solve, these are complex issues that no sports team can solve on its own. We can only create, help create the change by working together with our community, our players, and our entire region to find solutions. We take great pride in our city and in our region and recognize the suffering of the, of the African-American community throughout the country. Although we, like many others, have worked to advocate for social justice, now more than ever, we must do even more to work collectively to end racism and bond together for justice and equality. So, statement from D and Jimmy Haslam, Whitney and J.W. Johnson, Andrew Berry, Kevin Stefanski, Dr. Peter Edwards, Tim but Bezbachenko and Caleb Porter. So again, I think another, you know, I think another statement that um, does hit a, a good tone. Without a doubt. Um, 
I'm, I'm trying not to be a cynic in all of this, but, but when NFL owners and NFL organizations, mostly owners in the NFL, are releasing these kinds of things, I can't help but have an initial reaction. I don't want to, but I'm human. I can't yeah. help but have an initial reaction of just rolling my eyes because this is the, 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 the same number of organizations that played a huge part in condemning Colin Kaepernick for a peaceful protest where he yeah. simply took a knee to try and shine a light on this issue in the peaceful way that so many people want. Um, and all that got him was booted from the NFL. Uh, yeah. so, so, so it's hard for me to be something other than a skeptic when it comes from some of these NFL owners, honestly. That's just oh, me, though. No, 100%. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and the NFL, again, there was a statement from the NFL the other day um, that just didn't really seem to hit a, you know, hit a, a good chord because, again, you're right. It's just, he, it, it all, like, I don't know. I think this is part of the thing, too, is that we're not going to be all perfect in what we say when we have these conversations. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to, trying to come up with the right words. I mean, yeah, I think that the fact that Colin Kaepernick never found an NFL job again um, is just beyond reproach. Uh, and somebody in some way... Um, in so, like, see again. I'm just trying to find the right words. Like, so you know, when Colin Kaepernick, it all kind of started there, and then it just it doesn't it doesn't doesn't fit well with me. That um, I, I remember talking to my friends like back when Colin Kaepernick couldn't and still can't find a job. I mean, how many quarterbacks in the NFL? And it doesn't even matter. It's just like he could he there was no reason for him to not be back in the nfl and um it's just unfathomable to me that you know in this time that we're trying to you know a, a lot not everybody but a lot of mm -hmm. people are trying the way that we are trying um to bring us to bring each other together and to you know bridge the gap of social inequality or racial inequality um how how it even it makes no sense to me and it goes to, Hayden, another crux of this issue where um, oftentimes when, when certain things take place, uh, people start focusing on things that aren't the story, right. right? They deflect and they say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Um, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, he, he was shining a light on, on all of these issues. Like, this is what he was saying. This is wrong. This is going on in America. And so many people in America chose not to listen and instead chose to condemn him for the way he went about his particular protest, right. even though his particular protest was nonviolent um, and it was actually suggested to him by somebody who was a Korean beret. Yeah. I mean, so um, I don't think the the focus of the sh story at, at this point in time should be about like what's happening at these protests as much as it should be um, about the racial inequality. Sure, absolutely. Um, it's it's much more so about the it's the subject, not the way that the you know they go about it. Um, yeah, and I and I know I wanted to bring this up because I know you 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 tweeted it out today and um, and I did as well after I saw your tweet. Um, Troy Smith wrote an article today. Um, Troy Smith is our one of our entertainment reporters at uh, Cleveland.com. Um, 
you wrote an article about you know his experience um, being an African American in not only in um, Cleveland but in the United States of America, and uh, I just I wanted to mention you know that I thought it was very well done, um, and that if you're listening, definitely go check it out. Um, as we did, we both tweeted it out and uh, certainly read it, and it's it's it opened my eyes pretty widely. Um, it's called Being Black in America: The Hope, the Rage, and Heartbreak that Comes with It. Um, so go check that out for sure. Um, I, any anything to say about that article, Chris? I just I just respect Troy so much for yeah. sharing his personal experience like that. I think sometimes yeah. it can be very risky and dangerous for any kind of journalist to to share their personal story and kind of give a window into themselves. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was very very powerful for him to share the story of him and his brother and the personal experience that he went through. And and I thought the way that he went about it and bringing it full circle um, was the right way. And to me, this quote struck me more than, and it was his lead, and it, it was the perfect lead to pull you in to a story that I think people need to read. Mm -hmm. um, for him, it was, quote, as a black man, I rarely feel guiltier than when I'm thankful my children are white. And I was just like, oh, my God. That's... Yeah. That's very, very powerful, and yeah. I would imagine that other people in his same position are probably thinking the same way. Um, yeah. I know Andre not somebody who has been in the media in this town for a yeah. long, long time. I think he tweeted out the other day, Hayden, that it's, it's a helpless feeling for him to be a black man raising black children and feeling like as a father and as a man, he can do everything right. He can yes. raise them the right way. And at the end of the day, it may not matter. And they may be killed by police anyway, be because one reason or another. Yeah. And um, it was sad for me to see Dre tweet that out, but it was real. It was his honest feeling. And again, I've never had to experience that at that particular level. Um, and in many ways, I'm thankful that I haven't. Um, but at the same time, it just makes me so sad and it pains me so much that a colleague that I know does have to feel like that. And he does feel like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's I, I want to I do want to uh, read this tweet because you're right. Um, it's it's important to, to hear and to listen to. Um, I haven't cried so much or been filled with so much anger in my entire life. I've had some tremendous friends reach out to me this week. But the overriding feeling of no matter how good slash bad I raise my son it may not be enough to keep him alive has crushed me. That's, that's as powerful as it gets. I mean, yep. I, I know you don't have kids, Chris, and nor do I. Um, but, you know, we, I know you have, I believe, nieces or nephews that you love dearly. And yep. the thought of having, I, I do too. I have, you know, maybe not, they're not blood nieces, but I, they, I consider them my nieces. And mm -hmm. they, uh, I know that I love them, love them so, so much. And that, like, it, it, that really puts it in perspective. Um, you know, kids are, I mean, the innocence of childhood is such a beautiful thing. And to know that, you know, one day, and it could be when they're 15, could be when they're 18, could be when they're, you know, whatever. It could be whatever. I mean, even look at some, look at uh, Tamir Rice. I mean, you know, it could be however old. It's just like the fact that they did, in, in some cases, they did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. in most cases likely and still could end up um, killed. It's just, it's unfathomably sad. 
And I believe if I'm right, Tamir Rice was supposed to turn 18 this month, later this month. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, that, I mean, you, you put that into perspective that, you know, Tamir Rice was a child. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's just horrific. And Andre, I mean, I know, I don't know if Andre will listen to this, but I know that Andre um, has been, you know, advocating for, you know, for African-Americans and, and equality for a long time. And, um, you know, this week he's really been um, opening a lot of people's eyes. So keep, if he does listen, keep, uh, keep us, keep, keep giving us your thoughts because we, again, we're trying, Um, you know, we might not be perfect, but um, we're trying to understand, we're trying to learn, we're trying to listen, because I think that's all that we can really do um, is, is give our best to try to understand and try to help in any way that we can. All right, Chris. Um, I do want to talk a little basketball. Uh, okay. Because there, because there was uh, a little bit of basketball news that we missed. So there is a potential for uh, the return of the NBA. Um, what did you make of the proposal? What did you make of um, the fact that they could play, um, you know, kind of an expanded postseason? What have you made of the whole thing? Yeah, so for a little while now, Hayden, I have been under the feeling that there's a lot of momentum for less than 30, but greater than 16. And I think the NBA owners, Adam Silver, everybody involved is trying to find what's the right number with that. Is it 18? Is it 20? Is it 22? Is it 24? Um, And I can understand why teams like the Cavs and small market teams want to be part of the 30 that go um, to Orlando, to Disney, and they want to continue to have a united front. Like, this is a league decision. All 30 teams are going to be involved. If we can do it safely, if we can protect our players, we want to be involved, even though we don't have a ton to play for. It's just, I think, when you're talking about that many people and that many teams, um, coronavirus is very uncontrollable by nature. But but I think you lose more control the more people that you bring into one environment. So I understand why the NBA is saying, look, Cavs, I'm sorry, or look, Atlanta Hawks, I'm sorry, or look, um, New York Knicks, I'm sorry. Um, and I think we're at a point here, Hayden, where there has to be a level of an understanding of, of everybody involved that there's not going to be a perfect solution. And there's no way that you can come up with anything at this point in time where you're going to satisfy everybody. There's just no way there's going to be a team or a bunch of teams that are going to be upset with whatever the NBA decides. But I think those teams have some responsibility to be more understanding in this kind of situation. I mean, for for the love of God, they're going to be playing in a bubble. Basically, they're going to be playing on campus. So that by nature is a very, very difficult situation on everybody involved. Um, including the teams that are actually going to get invited to Walt Disney World. So if you come up with a scenario where the Cavs just happen to be unhappy or the Knicks happen to be unhappy, then so be it. It's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's again, life isn't fair, as we just talked about for a very long time. Um, And I think that that would be, you know, it would be unfortunate. I'm sure that, yeah, as you said, the Cavaliers wouldn't be very happy. You know, the guys that really want to get back and play, but... Again, in a situation like this, there's only so much you can do. 
and uh, there's only so many um, you know teams and people you can make happy. Um, they did say, from what I'm reading, uh, that um, the this could be voted upon by Thursday of this week. Mm-hmm. So they need a uh, they need a majority of the vote or a majority to approve it, um, three fourths of a majority, and then um, and they could be on well on their way back. I mean, yeah, and the players have to agree to this too. The players association has to get involved and they have to collectively bargain these kinds of things. But again, I think players and the players association will probably be a little bit more understanding than they would be in normal conversations, because I get the sense that people just want to get back if they can do it safely, if they can do it um, in the most fair way possible, they want to get back. And they want to crown a champion. From the very, very beginning, Hayden, I've stood firm on that. That if there's a way, the NBA is going to finish the season because they want a champion crowned. Because they've already gone so deep into this season to have that become the reality. And there's so many smart people involved in making this decision. And they all want the same thing, which is a champion at the end of this thing. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was just thinking about... Um, you know, does it, I mean, we, we want to, you know, we, obviously we want to see a champion crowned. Would, would it have, I mean, would that have like a kind of, not an asterisk, but would, would it be a little, not, <laughs> again, not ta- I don't know, painted is the wrong word. I mean, what, what do you think? So from the very beginning, I'm not a believer in asterisks. I, I know what I watch. I know what I see. These things happened. You can take away somebody's Heisman trophy, but you can't take away what I watched him do in college football to get to that. So that's, that's just kind of how I yeah, am. Yep. And I don't think, like, if you're a dude that's putting an asterisk on a season in the middle of a pandemic, like, what does that say about you? Seriously. Like, you're going to be asterisk guy in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> like, come on. No, <laughs> no, you're not. You I can't agree. be that guy. I agree. I At agree. some point, you have to have some level of understanding and open-mindedness. I agree. Now, in in saying that, like, I think it is fair to point out that there are teams that are going to be advantaged in this situation, and there are going to be teams that are disadvantaged in this situation. You know, a team like the Philadelphia 76ers was an absolute mess when the league shut down. Ben Simmons was hurt. They, They didn't fit together. They weren't playing all that well. They could not win on the road. Right. And now all of a sudden, Ben Simmons is probably going to come back healthy. Maybe they've built some camaraderie during this with some Zoom calls or team yoga sessions or whatever the case may be. Um, A team like the Milwaukee Bucks is going to be disadvantaged greatly because they were a great home team. They played all season long to get home court advantage. And now they're going to try and chase down a championship in Disney World without the backing of their rowdy fans. You know, so. I think it's fair to point out that teams are going to be disadvantaged and other teams are going to be advantaged without saying, oh, well, whoever is crowned the champion is not a quote unquote real champion in the NBA. That's ridiculous. I think you could also argue that they're even more of a champion, like going through all this and and shape and, and, you know, going through like the most random and strange time in NBA history, like. You know, it's yeah, I think you could argue that like it's like an, it's like a good asterisk if you, if you want to go that way. I mean, if you want to say that there's going to be an asterisk, you can are say there that, such man, thing I, as those. I don't know that there well, are. Well, you believe you. Don't, I, <laughs> I tend to I tend to agree with you mostly, 
but there are certain situations, and this is not one of them. I would not put an asterisk on the title, but like, I don't know, say like the, the steroid era or something like that. That's where I kind of get like, I, I know I watched Barry Bonds hit 762 home runs, um, but I don't know. There's just something, it just makes me think. It makes me think. Here's the question that I have for you. What do you think about the potential of a play-in tournament? Um, I don't know if it's six teams, eight teams, four teams. What do you think about that? Uh, about for the NBA? Um, I think that makes it a lot harder for those teams um, if they do get in. I mean, I know it gives them a shot. Um, and I think that that would probably be a fair way to do it. Um because how else are you going to do it? So, yeah, I like that idea. But it would make it a lot more difficult for them to get, you know, to where they want to go, just having having to play that many more games and having to, you know, be in that stressful situation. Um, but I guess that's what you get when you don't, you know, perform in the regular season as well. So um, I'm in I'm in for the plan. I like that. And it would be obviously it would be very, like, um, very competitive basketball. What do you think? Well, I think I think the league has to be careful, Hayden, about being too gimmicky. Um, okay. The NBA has always been open to different. I like that the NBA is open to different. I think in this kind of climate, people are so starved for sports that you don't have to go way outside the norm to draw Very interest. True. Very true. Obviously. The first round matchups last year were way too lopsided. People lost interest. The ratings were down. Part of that was LeBron was not in the playoffs. Part of that was the level of competition just wasn't there. There weren't great matchups. In saying that, you're going to get a ratings boost when you come back regardless. Yeah. People were watching Horse on TV, and it was like the worst production ever. Oh, but people awful. wanted it. Yeah. I mean, the match... It's a golf event with Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. It's golf. Not everybody's into golf. Golf doesn't do huge ratings unless, like, Tiger's in the final round of a major or something like that, or he's chasing some other kind of history. But that was one of the most watched things because people just needed it. And the timing is going to help the NBA here. So be careful about going away from the sanctity of the game. You know what I mean? Like, if you want a play-in tournament because you feel like New Orleans and Sacramento and Portland should have gotten the final few weeks to chase down that final playoff spot and you're robbing them of that, okay, I get that. But if you're going to switch midstream without any warning into, like, a group stage soccer format, you got to be really, really careful about that. And I don't think they're in a position where they need to do that or should do that. Play in tournament, fine. Group stage soccer, change everything. Eh, that's probably a little bit too far outside the norm for my liking. I hear you. And I guess we'll find out come this Thursday, at least it was a start of, you know, what could possibly be for the NBA. Um be you know hopefully exciting i mean obviously i'd be excited to see basketball back and um i think a lot of people around the country would be as well i mean we love the sport uh, but i do have to ask you because i know and if you're uh if you know chris at all you know that chris is a massive tiger woods fan what did you think of uh of that little uh, <laughs> battle between tiger and tiger and phil and tommy and peyton it was awesome and if there's something I think, Hayden, that some of these sports teams can learn, 
It's about the value of access. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And look, some of these teams are going to be against it. Some of these players are going to be against it. But when you're not going to have fans in the stands for I don't know how long, it's probably going to be a long time. Giving people unprecedented access could be gold. Like we would not have had the moment of Charles Barkley talking trash to Tom Brady before he dunked in a birdie from about 150 (laughs) if you didn't have those guys mic'd up and hear what the commentators could say. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, so know, if, I, mean, I think I, that's the first thing I thought of when, you know, when thinking about the potential for the NBA to come back or the NFL to come back mm-hmm. My first and in the NBA. My first thought is, man, is that going to be cool? Because you're going to be hearing everything you're going to be hearing, you know, the trash talking you're going to be hearing. I mean, I know that maybe the CDC won't hopefully the, or the what do they call it? The, is that what it's not the CDC, the FCC? Um, Federal Communications Commission. They, the CDC they would, is yeah, the people that, that are dealing with coronavirus at yeah, this point. Well, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of the CDC lately. So, I mean, <laughs> over the last couple of months, the CDC is probably one of the more common acronyms that I've seen. Yes. And um, written about. F- yes, and written about. So the FCC, pardon me. Yep. Um, may, hopefully they would be a little more lax because I know the language probably wouldn't always be um, suitable for all ages. But um, but you could get some great, great stuff um, just if you if you really, you know, as you said, you know, give them give us the access that or give, you know, the players, the, you know, microphones or whatever. I think it'd be awesome. The other thing that I would say is um, if the pandemic continues and if the pushback of the season happens even more um, further than what people think at this point in time, like trying different unique things like this. I'm all for it. And kudos to a bunch of these different organizations that are trying. I mean, for golf to say we're going to put Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods together, that's a no brainer. Obviously, they did that with the first match. Right. Two rivals, great golfers, two of the best of the last decade plus. But then to toss in like other elements like they are like that's how you take it to the next level for sure. I'm all I'm I'm 100% all in on um on trying different things. I mean, this is the time to do it. You know, it's unprecedented times and uh what better time to try something new? Speaking of that, how great would it be? And I talked about this on a radio show that I did recently. How great would it be that if there's another kind of shutdown like this, um where you're going such an extended period without live sports, how great would it be if the NBA found a way to do some kind of one-on-one King of the Hill tournament? Oh, well, I think the problem there, and and just from my just from like the arguments that we all have about like oh who would win one-on-one, I think a lot of these guys, the King of the Hill thing would be so much fun. Yeah, but I, I think some would be hesitant. Oh, you're right about that. I know exactly where you're going with this. I think some would be hesitant because. Some are like some, you know, some players have different games and that's how they, you know, I think that, I mean, honestly, you could argue that maybe like a guy like, you know, Kevin Durant or James Harden could easily beat a lot of people just because of their, like Kevin Durant's size and his ability to shoot and James Harden's ability to, you know, shoot off the dribble. I mean, so like LeBron, would LeBron be interested in that because he dominates the game in so many different ways? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he would be the best one-on-one player. But does that mean he's not the best player? I don't. I don't think so at all. So I so I certainly see where guys would be like, eh, I don't know if I want to put my reputation on the line out there because you know 
one-on-one is a totally different game than the real basketball. Look, man, if Tiger and Phil are willing to duel in something like the match, and if Tom Brady, who, you know, lost a whole box of golf balls, hitting the ball all over planet Earth in the first five holes or something like that, if he has enough humility to put his golf swing and his golf game on national TV in that kind of format, like, come on. These NBA yeah, guys. Yeah, but Chris, he's not a golfer. All that's, that's true. That's true. Like, these guys are professional basketball players. That's, that's true. My only, that's my only argument. Right. Is that, like, you know, I, but you understand what I mean? I and do. I agree. I agree. I would, again, I don't, I wouldn't judge LeBron based on a one on one tournament. But, but some I mean, people would. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, if I'm LeBron, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I mean, for the longest time, that's why I have felt that he wouldn't do the dunk contest. Because yes. if he loses to yes. like one of these no-name schmoes, yes. what do you think people are going to say? Yeah. Like, I know Zach Levine has developed into a great player. Um, but like at the time, if LeBron entered the dunk contest and got beat by Zach Levine, it'd be like, right. uh, what? Right. Or Derek Jones us- Jr. or something yeah, like Jones that. Jr. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I will always regret not having the opportunity to see LeBron in a dunk contest for sure. But I get it. I get it a little bit. It's I mean, look at some of the guys that are participating in the dunk contest. It's not the way that it used to be. It's not no. the best of the best. It's not Jordan, Dominique. It's, you know, sometimes tier five, six, yeah. seven, eight, beyond yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, you look at... It's funny, though. You look at some of the names in the dunk contest, you're like, oh, my God, this guy was in the dunk contest. Right, right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's un- was it, like... There was a random Cavalier. It wasn't not Larry Nance. It was another. It was a random Cavalier, like Bob Sura. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> like, oh yeah, Bob Sura in the dunk contest. Like yeah, man. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, all right. We've uh, we've certainly gone over a lot of time, but we needed to in a way. So, um, yes. Chris, thank you for the the conversation. Yep. Um, thank you for your thoughts, and thank you for trying and for advocating for you know social justice and um thank you for advocating for racial equality i think that um you know we appreciate the more people with bigger voices the better it's going to be so um we talked about a lot today and and hopefully we'll continue conversations maybe not so much on this podcast but i think in general i think we can continue conversations and that's what's going to help to um to help us to understand what what needs to be done and how we need to do it Oh, by the way, before we get out of here, yeah. did you see Greg Popovich just ether Donald Trump? I did. I did. And that ooh, is ooh, a great ooh. thing. And I probably should have. So I, we can bring it up momentarily. I did see that. And thank you for reminding me. Um, I was taught we were talking about um, all that ba- basketball stuff. But yes. So here is the Greg Popovich. I mean, there's a lot. There's so many quotes that are yeah. so gold. But th- this is one that this is one that I'll read right now. It's unbelievable. If Trump had a brain, even if it was 99% cynical, he would come out and say something to unify the people. But he doesn't care about bringing people together even now. That's how deranged he is. It's all about him. It's all about what benefits him personally. It's never about the greater good, and that's all he's ever been. So there's a lot more there, for sure. And yep. and Greg Popovich has always been about speaking his mind. So, I mean, this is no surprise to me. And as Pop said... All Trump has to say, again, this isn't a political um, podcast, but right. since we're on the topic, all Trump has to say, as Greg Popovich says, is Black Lives Matter. That's it. Yeah. He just has to utter that phrase and let 
all of the people that that feel um, that feel this level of injustice know that he is with them as the leader of this country. He sees them. He hears them. He's listening to them. And all he has to say, like Pop said, is Black Lives Matter. And he refuses to do it. The yep. leader of this country is by nature divisive. Yep. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't. I'm not saying, again, I, you're right. It's not a political podcast, but I don't understand it. And you're right. That's all he has to say. And I mean, maybe he'll, maybe by some miracle he'll wake up tomorrow and he will say it. But um, yeah, it's unfathomable. Yeah. He was in a bunker when everything was happening. Yeah. Yep. That's the leader of the country. Yep. That's the guy that's supposed to be bringing us all together. Yep. Man. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, we will be back. Uh, we may be back one more time this week. We may be back next Monday. We will keep you posted in the meantime. Um, and we will get also we will get back to the um, to the live subtext reads next week. Uh, but in the meantime, like I said, um, you can uh, follow or, uh, join us on subtext. You can become a friend of the podcast three ninety nine a month. Um, two-week free trial, and that'll be a way for you to get your questions into the podcast. Uh, both Chris and I do have a subtext account, so you can, you know, you can join both of ours. You can join one of ours, uh, but either way, in that way, you can get your questions to us in future podcasts. Um, obviously, I think this was a little bit of a different podcast in what we wanted to discuss, um, but in, like I said, in the future, subtext, uh, be sure to get your questions, basketball questions, um, or any question, really. I mean, I'm willing to talk about most things, if not all things. So um, just send your questions in again, $3.99 a month, two-week free trial. And uh, Chris will give you great uh, texts about the Cavaliers and, and information that he's hearing and things that he's hearing. I am more centered around just sports as a whole, about Cavs, Indians, Browns, Ohio State even. Um, so be sure to check us out on subtext so you can get your questions in. Chris, any parting words? I don't think so, buddy. It was good talking to you. I'm glad that we could have this kind of open conversation. Yeah, me too. And um, hopefully, again, we can continue to uh, continue to have these conversations because they're important. And that's the only way we're going to, like I, like I said before, hopefully, hopefully we've woken up, uh, myself very much included. And uh, hopefully we can just continue to, again, to have this dialogue. And, and the more we talk, the more that we understand, the better we're going to be. Oh, and I wanted to say kudos to you for taking the initiative to organize people to get out and, and help clean up the streets of Cleveland. Um, it just goes to show like how much you love Cleveland and how much you want to help the city in any way that you can. And, and I think it was somebody that tweeted this earlier. I don't remember who it was. Again, I've, I've been reading so many different things. Yeah. But when it comes to like fixing the systemic issues that we're having within the country, there are so many different paths that you can take in order to do that. And not everybody is going to take the same path and not every path is going to be for everybody. And I thought the path that you took, the things that you were able to control, the way that you were able to help um, was really, really good. Good of you, man. Oh, I was proud you. of you. I appreciate that. I have faced a little bit of backlash today, um, but um, that's for another time. But thank you. That means a lot. Again, it, yeah. For me, it all it came, you know, I'm not trying to answer back at these people, but all it came from was a place of wanting to help. And I think if you know me, you know how, you know, how much I do 
Uh, I love this city. Um, I'm not from here. I wasn't born and raised here, but I grew up coming here. And um, if this place means a whole hell of a lot to me. And it was awesome to see, again, the hundreds of maybe even maybe even close to a thousand people. Um, just then not only from my post, but just from, you know, Ricky, Ricky Smith or Coney had a group, a rate group out there. And um, uh, DJ Steph Bloss had a group out there. I saw them. So it was just great to see people of all races, religions, genders, backgrounds coming together to, to clean up. And uh, again, it has nothing that, you know, it has nothing to do with anything more than um, cleaning up a mess and helping our city to get back on its feet after, um, you know, after everything that happened. So mm -hmm. certainly a lot of people were in dire, you know, were not in a good place yesterday. And I thought the least that I could do was at least try to go down there and help them. Yeah, I mean, that's the definition of coming together. Yeah. Is is the cause the same? No, the cause is a little bit different, but it's still a sense of togetherness that the community in this country and this city needs right now. Yeah, I agree. I, that's what that's what my goal was. And I think, again, I think Cleveland did an incredible job um, of doing that yesterday. And hopefully we can continue to do that in different ways and for, you know, different causes, including and especially, um, you know, the, to bridge the gap and to, you know, ensure that we're all, you know, equal and um, that we all don't have to continue to go through these horrific, horrific and terrible tragedies. All right, Chris, um, we're going to I'm going to let you go because I know that um, we've had a long conversation, but it was an important one. Thank you to everybody who has listened. Um, and, um, again, you can reach out to us and if you want, if you have things to say about the conversation that we had, we are definitely open um, to listening to them. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Fedor. You can find me at H underscore Grove. And, um, thank you again, Chris, for the conversation, my friend. You got it, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. We will talk to you guys next week. Take care.